Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What did you think of uh, Bertuzzi going out there with no tape on his stick? Was that the most serial killer shit you've ever seen or what? It was like the most, it was like, that's all we were talking about the entire game, like the, the press corps. It's like, we didn't care what was happening on the ice. We're like, did they get like, not the plug get knocked out? Was like, is this just a one-off thing? And then he, he doubles down on it afterwards, which like immediately people are like, all right, this guy's a lunatic. So, <laughs> this guy is again, crazy. This guy hasn't even, you know, there's going to be like four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times during the playoffs where he's going to be driving someone crazy in the middle of a game. It's like, no, we can harken back to him literally playing with with no tape up there, no nothing up there that we're like, all right, something's slightly off right here. So it's, it's um, what a way to introduce yourself, though. All right, what's brewing, everybody? Welcome back for another episode of the Brews and Bruins podcast. My name is Cam Hasbrook, joined as per usual by Drew Johnson. Uh, Chris is not here today. He is uh, just looking out to see if there's any continents that they might have missed on the map out there. He's trying to get one named after him. Uh, we are joined instead by our good friend, Connor Ryan. Connor, what's going on, man? Doing well. Thanks for having me, guys. We were talking before the show about uh, kind of everything that's been going on uh, since the last time we chatted, which it was pretty recently. I think it was a month or two ago that we had you on. Uh, that being said, one of the busiest months, not only for the Bruins, but I mean, especially for the Bruins, but just across the league that I can remember uh, in years, honestly, across the NHL, as far as just one of the crazier deadlines and stuff. So we'll get to all that in just a second here. But of course, beer time's coming first. Drew, we're recording on a Monday. I just, I think, talked to you into having a nice Monday beer here. So I'm going to toss it over to you first. Yeah, Scott. you definitely talked me into it because I had a water. And then you asked if we were beering. And, oh, all right. We are beering. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a a swish from Bissell Bros uh, here at Maine. Still working on all that stuff that, uh, that Peter left us yeah. with. I don't know. I finally I, got through mine. Finally. Okay. It, was, it took me a while, but. Yeah, shouts to the I, Andrew, I feel uh, like I got I, I got a lot of the heavy stuff. Like this is a this is a hefty IPA percent. <laughs> and so I've been I've been going through a little bit slower. But uh Yeah. I think he just gave us a lot of hefty stuff because <laughs> we got we got some bang for our buck for that one for sure. Um yeah, our buck being nothing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, drinkability mm-hmm. on this. I mean for uh for an IPA of its stature, um, you know, it's really hoppy. Drinkability, I'm going to go with about a 16. Tasteability, 
Uh, we'll go. We'll go twenty-eight. It's not incredibly hoppy, but it's definitely if you if you like your hoppy IPAs, this is recommended. If you're, I would say it's definitely like hoppy for a beer, but maybe not for like a you know double IPA. Oh, absolutely sense. not yeah. for like a double. Is this a double? I thought it was a regular. Old maybe IPA. it's a single. I might be mixing it up with uh, whatever the other double IPA that came in a I think a black hand that he gave us. But okay, well maybe it's this one. <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Find out for yourself by going to (laughs) Missile Brothers Brewing. (laughs) Yeah, Um, definitely do that, though, if you're in the area. Can't recommend it enough. Connor, what you got, man? Well, is that fitting? Because I also have a Bissell Brothers. I there have you Bissell go. Brothers. Yes, of course. Shout out Bissell Brothers. I didn't get free. I didn't get free Bissell Brothers, but I always uh, love Bissell Brothers whenever I get up to uh, get up to Portland. This one I found at another uh, hole in the wall called uh, BJ's in wow. uh, in Marlboro, yeah. Massachusetts. They somehow <laughs> had the substance. I don't know why, but I I grabbed a, a couple of them, and as always, it hits. I mean, drinkability. What is what like considered like an IPA? Really crisp, really easy to drink. Uh, you know, what? I'm gonna go drinkability and tasteability. I'm gonna go with 35s, 35s across the board. Linus Olmark, when you look I at like just how good his season has been, I think it's fitting for a beer like this in terms of how much you enjoy it, how much you just know that's gonna be a quality product. So, shout out, Mister Brothers. I, yeah. I I have the uh like a couple clips of players. So when we say that number in a review, we'll, we'll put it on. Like I got a Bergeron clip for 37. Uh, I don't have an Olmark clip uploaded, so I'm going to have to do that now. It's going to have to be the goal, obviously. The goal, <laughs> so, yeah. Which, well, uh, which we, we might need two. To, yeah. The goal will be for drinkability, and then the tasteability will be like a, an amazing save. Even, exactly. Which there are many to choose from. <laughs> no shortage. Certainly no shortage at all. Uh, Connor, I'm interested to see like buying beer from BJ's for anybody who doesn't know. It's BJ's regional. I'm trying to think because I know like I had it in New York. I don't think it's up here in Maine. But for anybody who doesn't know BJ's, it's like a wholesale regional Costco. Place. Yeah, it's like, like Costco. Costco. So imagine like buying beer from there, like in the full pallets of it, like you would like you Dude. know how you buy everything in bulk. You just feel the well, like, out of BJ's. You can pallet full you, of beer. You can like buy like a, a absolute slew of beer in terms of some things, but like literally they have like a smaller craft section. The craft mm-hmm. sections like the the usual suspects you get out of a place like that. Not any like deep dives. And I was literally just like scrolling through. And I just see like one four pack of the substance. I was like, <gasps> yeah, like the person like probably like working the counter like probably like, turned around like what's, <laughs> what's wrong with this guy? But it's very 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 excited to stumble upon that. So yeah, I actually uh, that was one of my favorite parts of talking to Peter was he was talking about uh, the substance being the first beer that his brother had brewed even before Bissell Brothers was was a thing really, um, and just kind of how long that process has been of refining that beer and like one of those things that I guess as a consumer you don't think as much about like obviously you think about people making the beer but just how much they've tweaked it over the years just a little mm-hmm. bit to kind of like keep it going and that sort of thing. Um, was kind of cool but anyway i'm going out to not quite as niche i got a fat tire ale here a classic one i haven't really seen in a while i think they've gone under a rebrand since i saw them last i'm liking the uh the looks nowadays but they're over at uh pleasant mountain they have them on tap there and the cans down at the lodge and uh really good that's a great ski beer it is it is really good um it's just like a belgian style ale i don't know what else to say it's fat tire if you haven't had it I would definitely recommend it. Um, it's crispy. It's clean. It's very drinkable. Probably a 36 out of 37 on the drinkability. Tasteability. I'm going to give it like a like an 
17, a uh, former Milan Lucic. Um, Polino. Yeah, I don't. I feel like this is one of those beers that you don't want to be overly tasteable. Like you expect it to be light and very easy to drink. Good for good for the beach or the ski mountain. Actually, I feel like which <laughs> you're gonna say good. Good for the soul. Like, definitely good for the soul. Um, but yeah, Fast Tire, I feel like is available everywhere. I'm not sure. It's been available everywhere I've ever lived. So I'm not sure <laughs> if uh, if you don't have it, but definitely would check it out. Anyway, to the hockey, uh, lots going on. Like we said, we're going to talk zoomed in here on the Bruins in just a sec, but I want to get just kind of an upper level view. Connor, your thoughts on one of the crazier trade deadlines in recent history. I know Chris was talking about it on the last show. It's usually the, the NBA trade deadline that steals the show this time of year. I think it was the NHL trade deadline this year. First of all, what was your kind of take on that? And why do you think this was sort of a crazier deadline than we've seen in really, I think, the last at least five or six years? Yeah, I think it's probably just a testament to the amount of teams and the parity in terms of kind of that those upper tier, uh, you know, level franchise. And again, it, it's it's I say that, but also you look at just how much of a juggernaut the Bruins have been, and it's kind of funny that this is the year that so many teams do load up thinking they have a chance. Which all the power to you, right? Like I'm not putting that past any one of these teams that thinks that they have a chance to knock off the Bruins. And when you look at some of these moves made, you know, whether it's the Rangers adding Tarasenko and Kane, you look at what Toronto did to both, you know, add a little bit of heft with guys like, you know, Achari, Shen, what have you, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who's unfortunately hurt now, but I thought it was a good pickup for what I think especially his role could be in the playoffs. Um, even like, you know, you look at Tampa and just like what they identify in terms of Tanner Duneau and giving up approximately 49 draft picks for him. Like, it just shows like, one, I think the desperation of some teams like, Tampa and I mean even the Bruins in terms of you know the stakes involved in this season and being in that win now window but um, I think it's just a testament again to just how loaded especially in the Eastern Conference the amount of teams there are out there because again I think for a while it was like all right Bruins are at the top for like Carolina like Jersey's right there too but that's a team that seems like they're that's a team that you look at and like they've been fantastic all year but they're a young team that you could see like losing in the first round and like taking their lumps and then coming back next year and being even better. Then they go and get Timo Meyer as well. Like there's none of these teams are really taking a step back other than maybe like Detroit, a team like on the upswing and being like, all right, we're, we're on our way. Like let, let's, you know, let the natural progression of building a young core happen. There's just so many teams that are going for it, which I think for the, the NHL, you probably have to love in terms of just the amount of, talent getting moved, but also the amount of teams that are buying in. It's not like every team looked at the Bruins and are just like, all right, like what, what, you know, again, that's how hockey works anyway, right? That no one really, you know, spends so much time on the best team on paper, but it will make for, I think, like a fascinating uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoffs for sure. It is crazy. I, as Bruins fans, I feel like we've been fortunate uh, and guilty of this, just like not having to really check the standings throughout the year because you knew they were just in first by a shit ton, pretty much, to, to say it frankly. Uh, so I did just look at the wild card race yesterday for the first time in a while, and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. There are yeah. legitimately seven teams that are very, very, very much in contention for two wild card spots. And like Connor said, I really think it just speaks to the parody of the league, and, and that really just makes even more so what the Bruins are doing this year, just absolutely incredible. The fact that, you know, the league I think is elevated as a whole over the last few years. And I think for a year like this year, there are teams that obviously the playoffs are a different beast. I think there are a lot of contenders to win the cup and and obviously to just even make the playoffs at this point. And the fact that the Bruins are just swatting everybody away with a, a plus 105 goal differential right now is, is ridiculous. But 
Um, Drew, you had something look like it? Yeah, I think just in regards to what the Bruins did at the deadline and all they needed to do, I think it was kind of right in Sweeney's wheelhouse because those are the kinds of moves he generally makes at the deadline. Usually he, the Sweeney and Neely have been hesitant to make the big splash at the deadline or in free agency or something. And the Bruins are already in this place uh, where it's like, well, you're really just beefing up the team. It's not like there's a huge need, like, like just speaking out. Um, and those are the kind of deals he's really good at, um, like getting those depth players that I mean, that turn out to be like or- how Orlov is uh, playing. Like it, you can't necessarily expect that when you trade for him. But at the same time, they know how these guys are going to click in the lineup and, and at- adding people in those roles. Um and that's all the Bruins needed to do this year. And there's been plenty of times where the Bruins needed to do a lot more and they didn't at the deadline. Um, so I think it kind of really aligned for Sweeney there. And you got to give that administration a, a <laughs> props for, for what they were able to do. And then I think the rest of the league, like while the Bruins are, and you're trying to kind of keep up with the Bruins in a way, you're also thinking, well, the playoffs are different. It's seven games. There's a lot with that and adjusting strategy and matchups and all that as you go along and get to know the opponent. So while they have to kind of keep up with them in a way, it's also like, well, this could be our year too, especially if you're in the Western Conference. Maybe they'll get knocked off before the Cup or something. So um, it was kind of an arms race this season for sure, especially in the Atlantic. Yeah, and I think it's something too where you look at, Don Sweeney and Kim Neely have always been, I think, pretty, you know, cognizant of this contention window and, you know, how many more kicks in the can they have and whether it be, you know, what those conversations were with Patrice Bergeron and, and David Krejci um, over the offseason, where, again, like, it's almost like it's a testament to, like, a guy like Bergeron that he signed such a, a below-market-rate deal. And you're like, oh, that's about right. But, like, still, for the amount of concessions that a guy like Kim has to make to go through the gauntlet of last year, come up short, and do it all over again this year and sign for a contract like that. For David Krejci, who was perfectly happy being in the Czech Republic last year or outright retiring this year probably and spending time in South Carolina to come back, you know, uh, Don Sweeney and the Bruins had to make a, a commitment to them that they were going to make it worth them, uh, to make it worth it for them to come back for the season. And these trades, like, again, these trades don't guarantee that you're going to win a cup, but if something goes wrong with injuries or, you know, the play on the ice, what have you, I don't think you can look at, the Bruins, uh, you know, front office as being the reason why they didn't win this yeah. year, right? Like, you can't view it. It's right. not like 2018, what have you, when they lost to the Lightning, and you're like, ah, oh, they should have got Ryan McDonough. You look at 2019, where it's like, ah, oh, could they've offered up more for Mark Stone? There's, like, nothing else out there. Like, they weren't going to get uh, a Timo Meyer or anything like that, right? Like, for what they got in terms of former 30-goal scorer and Bertuzzi, which, again, I think is probably the most impressive one because that was, like, that. Yeah. It'd be one thing if the Bruins, like, found out right before the deadline that they weren't going to have Hall and Felino for who knows how long. And they pivot and like, all right, well, let's get Nick Bukestad. Solid player, but like not at that level. They go in and then identify a guy like Bertuzzi who can score goals. He's a pain in the ass to play against. will drive you uh, crazy over a seven-game series. It's impressive. So you add that along with Hathaway and Orlov. Uh, it removes all doubt, I think, in terms of this team's commitment to win and putting all their you know chips on the table for this season. 
Yeah. What did you think of uh, Bertuzzi going out there with no tape on his stick? Was that the most serial killer shit you've ever seen or what? It was like the most, it was like, that's all we were talking about the entire game, like the, the press corps. It's like, we didn't care what was happening on the ice. We're like, did he get like, not the plug get knocked out? Was like, is this just a one-off thing? And then he, he doubles down and afterwards, which like immediately people are like, all right, this guy's a lunatic. So, <laughs> this guy is again, crazy. This guy hasn't even, you know, there's going to be like four or five, six, seven, eight, nine times during the playoffs where he's going to be driving someone crazy middle of a game. It's like, no, we can harken back to him literally playing with, with no tape up there, no, nothing up there that we're like, all right, there's something slightly off right here. So it's, it's bonkers, um, what yeah. a way to introduce yourself though. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Uh, with, uh, it is kind of ironic that, like like you said, this is supposed to be the year that the Bruins were kind of, like, asterisked by injuries at the start of the year, and yet it feels like they've been super fortunate up until this point to really not deal with that much in the, in the way of injury trouble. So, obviously, like you said, this provides them with a lot of depth with the added caveat that, like, judging a trade deadline right after it happens is always silly to do, but we're going to do it anyway. What preemptive grade do you give, you know, Bruins front office for this? Yeah, I mean, again, it's the cop out, but I have to give an A in terms of just what they address, and it's not just the fact that you could you could look at this team at face value going into the the deadline, and they were already on a record setting pace, and be like, all right, maybe they need a a seventh D, another another depth forward, just to you know steal themselves for the playoffs. To go out and get a guy like Bertuzzi who can give you twenty goals a season, Hathaway who's a pain in the ass to play against, and it's also I think a pretty underrated. Uh, you know, producer at that role for a guy that does not get a lot of ozone time, gets really tough assignments. He's usually good for 10, 15 goals a year in that role, which is pretty impressive. And then Orlov, who, again, I don't think he's going to be averaging like 100 points a season over 90 <laughs> games family is right now. But even like what he does otherwise, whether, you know, the physicality, but especially just that that transition talent that he has in terms of just making those smart First, first passes, uh, plays up the ice. Just, I think he fits in seamlessly with what Jim Montgomery kind of preaches, preaches in terms of his system, especially for defensemen. So I wouldn't say like it was like a shoe in and this guy's going to be producing like this, but you can see why he kind of has hit the yeah. ground running so far this year. So I think when you look at where they've added to an already stacked team, and it's just, it's only the fact that you have guys like Orlov in place, but also I, I think each of them add an extra wrinkle in terms of, what else? What else this team could have needed, right? Like, it's always it always sucks that you feel like you're you're like reverting back when you're like, all right, they just need some more guys that are like tougher. I'm not saying that. Wonder what they you know what they kind of needed? They just kind of needed some shitheads. Like you need yeah. some shitheads. To yeah. The playoffs, right. But it's I, not like an enforcer. It's not a goon. You just need shitheads like Patrick Maroon and Corey Perry, guys like this that can do that thing over a seven game series and drive the other team crazy and also mm-hmm. again that's not to say they're also just going to be out there for that like Hathaway I think is an underrated player for what his role is Bertuzzi will drive you crazy but he's got like a, a great penalty differential and he can score 20-30 goals a season too right like it's it's not the primary reason why they are bringing these guys in but to identify those players that can <laughs> fill different roles add to an already very good lineup and add that extra wrinkle is mm-hmm. impressive for what they kind of targeted yeah definitely I think it's I think it's amazing the depth of this team even before the additions they made and it works out well with the injuries that the Bruins have had as well. Um, but just like so, I couldn't I, before since I thought we were starting at five forty five, but it wound up being six. I took to uh, Hockey Reference to look at some stats. Something I saw that was this season, Bergie, and it, this sounds low, 
for five on five, averaging he's averaging 12 minutes and 37 seconds, uh, which shouts to the 37 seconds um, of ice time on five on five. And I feel like that's low for him. Like even in compared to the past year or two, but I think that speaks to where this team is at. And that's important to keep these now aging players, him and Krejci really low. Like Bergeron's a guy you throw out on the PK and the power play anyway. So that adds, that really adds up in the end where his average ice time is. But um, doing that with guys like him and Krejci and stuff, I feel like that's so important. And if there is an injury, it's like, okay, we're going to play Bergeron like 20 minutes tonight. Nothing he hasn't done, nothing he can't handle, even at this age, if they're conserving him for so long throughout the season. And I just think that speaks volumes to the depth they have, not just at center, but all around. They're able to do that with some of their aging players. And I feel like that's the Bruins have never really had that luxury to do that with an aging player. Like even as Char was aging, it's like, yeah, what you're the you're the on the top pair like you're our guy like you gotta <laughs> sorry right. um it's part of your contract they have yeah, literally like, it's like, you, you gotta average at least 25 tonight. minutes <laughs> your ice time is going to increase in the final weeks of the season it's written yeah. in the we're gonna pay you less but you're gonna play more how does that sound yeah. it, <laughs> it, it is impressive yeah. i was gonna say it's no. impressive like like connor said just the fact that they have killed two birds with one stone i feel like with all these pickups yeah. like i feel like in the past when they've tried to get heavier or gritty or whatever you're like okay yeah we got this guy who can punch bags in but like i'm a little worried when he's on the ice now unless he's punching somebody's face in right like and it feels like all of these guys were picked you know first and foremost to fit the system and because of what they can do on the ice in addition to the extra you know heaviness grit whatever and for me it's like i, I think the team that scares me the most out there is somebody like carolina who has yeah. given the bruins trouble in the past and a lot of it i think is i, I mean i'm not a huge I'm a skill over physicality guy, but mm-hmm. I do think a team like Carolina that plays a heavier game over the course of a seven game series can be an issue for the Bruins. And like somebody like Svechnikov, for example, they just haven't really had an answer for. And not that this is going to be a, a cut and dry solution right there, but I think they've been able to add players who can play that heavier game, but also still can can play to the Bruins. It's not like they're giving up their system in order to try to beat Carolina at their own game. They can still add in uh, you know, to Montgomery system, like Connor said, while also providing a little bit of that heaviness right there. Yeah, it's it's almost like Carolina is like the evolved version of like, it's not like a team like Tampa, which is really heavy and has guys that I think probably fit more of the mold. But as you said, I think Carolina, when they're executing and playing their preferred style of play, it's like this like unending wave of like floor checking pressure, mm-hmm. physicality, pinning guys against the board. It's almost like, you know, a heavyweight fight where you get guys just, you, you tire guys out by just that constant pressure. So having other guys like Bertuzzi or Hathaway who can kind of match that, it's key, right? Like, again, you're, you're not going to be in a spot now where guys are going to be taking guys' numbers or getting suspended, hopefully, uh, off of this thing. But, you know, having a team like Carolina and what they bring in terms of just wearing you down, um, you need something to, to counter that. So, And I also agree with you. I think you look at – did Carolina make the most moves or the most, you know, headline-stealing trades in the deadline? No. But that team, I still think, is the biggest hurdle. I think that team, when they're playing well, look at that Tampa game. They mm-hmm. smoked that team, right? Yeah. Like, uh, that, that is a very, very scary team, Carolina. Yeah, that was going to be the next question is who scares you the most. And you actually answered both with one. Who do you think did add the most or I guess did the best, quote unquote, whatever that means, at the trade deadline? Ooh, I would still say in terms of what they like, how they can benefit from it. 
I, I do like a lot of what Toronto did. Again, we'll see when Ryan O'Reilly comes back. Um, obviously, the Bruins are in that mix as well. Like, no, no, that they're clearly right up there when you have Orlov doing what he's doing and uh, these guys making an impact. But um, if Ryan O'Reilly gets back and they make him more of like a third line, like defensive center and just stick him to another team's top six, I think that's great. I don't think he's had too many of those. I think he's been in the top six for a good portion of, mm-hmm. you know, his time in Toronto. And he's like racking up points, which is great. But I think O'Reilly, if you have him in the playoffs and he's just stuck to Bergeron or Krejci's line, that's how I think you have to play that. So um, I do like what Toronto did um, in terms of just adding a little bit more physicality. Again, it's going to suck that one of those two teams between them and Tampa is going to be out in the first round. But it's also good news for the Bruins because those teams will kick the shit out of each other over that seven <laughs> Game series. I'm going to assume it's going to go seven games. Yeah. It'd be very funny if Tampa still like beat won them in you know, in five games. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I think you know you have to give kudos to I think what Toronto did in terms of addressing needs. But it's not just like all right, we're getting Shannon and Achari and these guys that can knock guys around. Which again, they they targeted. But uh, I think what O'Reilly brings, especially on the defensive side of things, could make for a a pretty useful matchup tool for them. All right, a quick pause to pay the bills. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hands with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, for a limited time, all new and existing customers can bet a no-sweat same-game parlay every single day. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app today, opt-in, and place a same-game parlay on any NBA game. And if it doesn't hit, you'll get your free bet back. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. That's THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. Come on, Ohio. See show notes for details. Last trade deadline question, and then I want to talk Pasternak for a sec. But what did you think of the whole ending to the whole uh, Chikrin situation going to Ottawa? I felt like that was really out of left field. I I was shocked by it. I called it, I think, my favorite trade of the deadline just because of how ridiculous it was. I also think it was a great ad by them for a team that has been up and coming the last few years. But what was your take on that? Did you see that coming at all? Or did that feel as out of left field for you as it did for, for the general public? Uh, very out of left field. And then I like, again, you, you get the initial shock and you're like, oh yeah, it's a clown car operation in Arizona. So I shouldn't be shocked by this because <laughs> again, like credit to Ottawa for waiting, waiting things out. And it's why like, again, the Bruins weren't going to do that because the Bruins are in such a window window that like, they can't wait and wait and wait. Mm-hmm. And then Chip can go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And you have Orlov's already off the market and all these other guys. So like, the Bruins had to walk away from that because they were very, very interested in adding a guy like that who, you add to this team now to win, but also as part of your core for the years ahead. So they were definitely targeting him. But um, again, it's not surprised Arizona a team that's already playing in a college rank is more concerned about not retaining any money off of there. The Arizona Coyotes are like the Satrials of the NHL. It's like a front for you to like leave just like bad contract <laughs> at their door and no questions are asked. Yeah, like they're like the front. money laundering more or less. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> the Arizona back, cleans so. the cash, sends it back to Tampa Bay. Exactly. Good. Yes. Yeah, it's it's like the fact that like the NHL like, yeah, they'll never step in, but the fact that they're just like yeah, we're fine with this clown car operation that uh, maybe we'll give them Bedar or something like that and it'll be fine and they'll trade him in a couple of years, but. It's just something where um, and the Bruins have run into this before, where they had those conversations about Oliver Ekman Larsman, which, thank goodness they did not do, 
Thank goodness they got Lindholm instead. But the biggest hang-up for that contract and those trade talks was Arizona did not want to retain any money. Shocking how, again, they chased cheaper returns for what Ottawa gave them off of the fact they did not want to retain any money. So, again, all the credit to uh, Ottawa for waiting things out and getting a very, very good player that adds to an already pretty good core. Like, that's a great move on their part. And that's, again, a team like Ottawa that's on the upswing but not in a win-now window has the luxury of just sitting back and, like, we hope we'll get him. I don't think anyone else is in the market right now, Like, but we can wait it out. Good on them for identifying a guy like that because, yeah, I think Chikrin, even with his injury concerns, is man, he's a hell of a player. So good good on them for getting him. And shame on Arizona for, once again, being a laughing stock. The team, <laughs> that team sucks. I, I cannot stand that team. Yes. Uh, oh, poor, poor Cat and Richie, but that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yes. Um, before we go, uh, real quick, obviously, the, the big news uh, beyond the trade deadline this week was David Postonok signing his extension. I feel like everybody at this point like can give glowing reviews of, of David Pasternak, but I guess for a little bit more of a, an in-depth look at, obviously, who knows what's going on with the Bruins beyond this year, Krejci, Bergeron, a lot of question marks, but you now have a guy like David Pasternak who is going to be a part of that core regardless of, of those decisions. Like, How big is that for the Bruins to have? Obviously, they have McAvoy in the back end, who's the staple. You have hopefully Jeremy Swayman, who looks like he's going to be a very capable NHL starter. I mean, I hear he is. Uh, one B guy, but you know, throughout the course of his career looks legit. And now you have that front piece that you can really build around. How, how big is that? Yeah, it's huge. I think you look at, obviously this Bruins team is in a win down bunch right now, but I, I think people look at, at this team and the stakes in, that are involved. And let's say next year, they don't have Bergeron or Krejci. They have to address that, right? There's no looking past that. They have a barren pipeline down the middle, but the way this team is built right now and the amount of foundation and these, like this team is not going to be, tanking next year this team will probably be in the playoffs you know right up there with what their what their core is right when you and again the key part of that is having a guy like Pasternak like Pasternak is one of the key cogs that means that this team is looking at more of a retool than a rebuild right like that that's what you need him for so if you're looking to the future and you have Pasternak and McAvoy and Lindholm and Olmark and Swayman and Zaka who's on pace for 60 points uh, out of his role and some of these other guys you didn't have to give up Guys like Lysel or Lorai, who could be good NHLers or also could be good trade chips if you have to trade for a center in the next year or two. Like, they have options, but none of that would have been feasible if you didn't have a guy like Pasternak locked up long term. And something that Don Sweeney mentioned during his press conference after he signed Pasternak is that one thing they're cognizant about is that when you get to free agency, when it gets to building teams, players talk a lot. And it's something that they, they have to view. And if you're a team that or a player that's either looking at maybe a below market rate deal or a, a one-year contract or a guy that's prioritizing his options. And it's like, well, I could go here, maybe a little bit more money, or I could just feed David Pasternak a shit ton of goals for the next couple of years and go to a place in Boston that has his reputation of being a place that a lot of players covet. Um, it was key, right? Like, again, this team was never going to let uh, dollars and cents be the main impediment in terms of keeping him. Um you probably are paying him more than they expected back in the summer, which again, could have seen that coming. But yeah. um, I think when you look at just what needed to be done, a no brainer to retain a guy like Parsonak. Cause again, he helps you win now, but whether this team is a cup contender in the next couple of years, or at least in the mix, Kate Parsonak is going to play an essential role in that. Yeah. I think like, I mean, he's 26 right now, 
Which is always crazy because when a player is my age and I like compare my life to theirs. <laughs> anyway, um, like to have him locked down until he's 32 at that price tag, like is just is just so good because I mean the, the salary cap, whatever they do with it, it's it, it's going to slowly go up. I think it's going to trend upwards over time. It's just how fast, you know, whatever. It's the NHL, but. Right. Uh, it should double in size right now, but anyway, for the for what incredible athletes these are, but anyway, um, to have them that long term and at that price is like really solid. Like you see, got you see teams really overpay, and while I don't, I don't know if it was like necessarily a hometown discount or anything. Like Pass is one of those players that doesn't necessarily play for the money, but knew like this is the contract. It was kind of a hometown discount beforehand, I think, his, his prior contract or his supposed current contract before the extension. Um, and then once he's 32, he's the pay grade's probably going to start to go down or, or level out because of what age he'll be then. That's when you kind of start to expect players, okay, you're going to uh, you know regress a little bit over the next in the next four years. So we're not going to commit to that sort of price tag. And that might be when he gets another hometown discount or the Bruins get another hometown <laughs> discount. But I think like good for him. He's getting paid. Like he, he deserves that money. And it's in a way that isn't going to break the bank for the Bruins when they are looking for replacements. Uh, you know, no one's going to exactly fill the skates of Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci per se, but they're still going to have money to work with down the line to work in a top line center or a couple top six centers, um, which I think is extremely crucial. So um, good job on both parties getting something that Pasternak deserves while also saving some money for the future, not going 13, 13 and a half mil or something like that. Pretty good. Pretty damn good. Absolutely. And getting them really, like Drew said, pretty much right through his prime, I think, at at 32, right? It said. 33? Yeah, it's eight year. Um, it was an eight-year extension on in, top of He's in May, so in, in the, like, the playoffs of that yeah, contract. I guess either way, it's it doesn't really matter that much, but it's not like you're locked in until he's 40 years old either. It's Right, yeah. yeah it's really he's going to be very, regardless of who he's playing with, like this guy also almost ripped it up with Eric Halla as his center for yeah. most of last year. <laughs> Whether it be Bergeron, Krejci, Zaka, Look in the future, like I don't know, Peter Luke Dubois, Clayton Keller. As long as they don't retain any salary, don't forget, don't yep, retain any no, salary. no salary. Whoever it's going to be, he's going to rack up points. Like this, right. is, I don't think I don't see a tail off even when he's 32, 33. Mm-hmm. I feel like like I could go out there for one game with the Bruins and play on Pasternak's line, and I would I would fucking obviously suck, but I'd like accidentally touch the puck, and then Pasternak's like, I'm gonna get this kid an assist, why not, and just do it all himself. <laughs> very gracious. Yes. Like he he could play with almost anyone, and just Drew's gonna be setting up the next line as Markle is what he's trying to. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really what I want. I want to assist. I want an assist on a goalie goal. That would be. Yeah. Um, all right, Connor. Connor Ryan from Boston.com. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, as always, appreciate it. Uh, anything you want to shout out to uh, the the tens of people listening to this podcast? <laughs> it, yeah, hey, hundreds, we, uh, gonna, hundreds. Let's yes, give exactly. Some that's, good, that's a good mindset to have. Yeah, we're gonna have you guys covered uh, every step of the way over at Boston.com, especially as we get to the playoffs with. Uh, Recaps, features, columns, breakdowns, all that good stuff throughout the season. Um, so please uh, read all of our stuff over there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at 
Connor Ryan underscore 93. Wonderful. My girlfriend, she called me earlier. She was like, oh, who you having on? I was like, Connor Ryan. She's like, oh, I follow him on Twitter. I like following him. So there you Hell go. Yeah. You, got the, you got the ringing endorsement from a, from a non-Bruins fan, from a Penguins oh, fan too. So. Oh, wow. Before, <laughs> I should try to catch up on that John Henry news. <laughs> Before you go, I do need to mention that I got dunks the other day. Um, oh, yeah. And I didn't, I didn't get my girlfriend dunked. So I was like, I took a picture of my coffee. It was like t- about to tweet, thinking of you at Connor Ryan. <laughs> and then I was like, oh no, I didn't get Julia coffee. I can't tweet this. I need to hide the fact that oh. <laughs> I would have been flattered, Drew. So I appreciate the sentiment. Every time I, DM I, I, time. Dunks, I think of you, Connor. Yeah, it's crazy. yeah you, oh. you could have DM'd me that. I would have appreciated it, but Incredible. I, 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 I appreciate the love. Beauty. Connor, thanks so much, man. We'll catch you soon. Sounds good. See you guys.